0: Hey, welcome into the Coach Bonos podcast here on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo Brian O'Connor. We're recorded live at the O'Connor Advisor Group studios. Check out all things O'Connor Advisor Group at oagks.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at Coach Bonos Show. You can check out the Facebook page. Just search for Coach Bonos Show, and you can email us anytime at Show at gmail.com. This is episode fifty-five. We are brought to you today by DraftKings. It's here, Kansas. We've got it here in Kansas now. The DraftKings app is live, and you can place all your bets now, whether it's NFL, college football, Major League Baseball, UFC, soccer. You can do everything from straight bets, over-under, parlays. You can even do same-game parlays and hundreds of prop bets all on the DraftKings app. So check out our show notes. You can get up to $200 in free bets with DraftKings when you put in your first deposit. Check out the link in the show notes. Get your $200 in free bets. That's just cash money in your pocket right there. So bet wisely, bet safely. Check out DraftKings. Hey, I'm going to jump in. We're going to have Uncle Rico join us here in a little bit to talk week one in the NFL. But before he comes in, I'm going to hit up uh, college football from Saturday, and uh, a little behind the uh, scenes what we're doing. Um, normally this pod comes out on Monday. We're actually recording Monday night. as Uncle Rico and I wanted to get the, um, the Denver-Seattle game and those results in. We've got that now and really wanted to talk quite a bit about that game because it was a pretty interesting game. We also wanted to talk about just coming up here. Just me right now. I'm going to be talking uh, about college football, and I want to get into it. We got a new number one team in college football, and that is the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, look, folks, I wasn't expecting this. I don't think anyone was expecting this, but uh, boy, Alabama got worked like a part-time job by Texas, and um, somehow Bama escaped with that last uh, last-minute drive. Bryce Young yeah. played incredible in the last drive, taking the Crimson Tide down, winning the game. Uh, but they really they the pronouns here uh, on um, for Alabama they looked really bad. They looked as unprepared and as I just want to say unmeasured as I've ever seen a Nick Saban team look. Uh, they didn't play well. They had something like fourteen penalties. The offensive line got outplayed by the Texas defensive line. Texas even lost Quinn Ewers in the game and still just kept bringing it. It was a, it was a fight the whole way. I got to give some props to Texas for what they did and how they brought it against against Alabama, but Bama was just too strong in the last possession of the game. Texas I think outplayed them throughout the game, twenty to nineteen Bama wins, but Bama actually falls out of the number one position because of how poorly they played against Texas. And Georgia ascends into the top spot after a 33-0 win against Samford. Uh, all in the first half. They set all their starters in the second half. Uh, could have been an even bigger blowout. Stetson Bennett in that game, 24-35 of for 300 yards and a touchdown. And we have a new number one team in the country. Uh, pretty unbelievable what's happened here. We've had some really interesting things happen. Um, actually, the coaches poll now does have Alabama... Number one, but in the, the the AP poll, Georgia is number one, uh, followed by Alabama, Ohio State who received the first a uh, number one pick or number one vote in both polls, Michigan, Clemson, Oklahoma, USC, Oklahoma State, Kentucky, and Arkansas round out your AP top ten coaches poll. Alabama's one, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, Michigan, Oklahoma. Then Oklahoma State, USC, Michigan State, Kentucky. I do want to hit on Kentucky for a minute. This is the first time Kentucky has been in the top ten. I have the number I don't have in front of me now, but they jumped up eleven spots this past week after a big win at Florida. They have a very favorable schedule coming up, and they won't be an underdog I don't think until November nineteenth when they play Georgia and that games at home. Kentucky's the SEC team it's lucky enough that they're uh, they're in the East. They don't have Alabama and LSU and A&M all on their schedule. They're actually cross rival into the SEC West is Old Miss. So that's their one team they'll play every year. They actually do have Old Miss and Mississippi State this year. But their next few games, Youngstown State, Illinois, Northern Illinois, then Old Miss, South Carolina, Mississippi State, Tennessee, Missouri, Vanderbilt, then Georgia, second to last game. I think we might see Kentucky in the top five come November. Don't be surprised by that. Mark Brooks has got a good team there. They're about to get their star running back back as well. Um, Chris, Rock, Chris Rodriguez, Jr., who is the returning Highest rushing returning player in the country will be back for their game against Old Miss on October the 1st. Uh, he's had an injury. Um, and he, was, he was arrested for DUI. Uh, he pled guilty. He's gone through the pre-trial stuff. He's now back with the team but won't be allowed to play until October 1st against the Old Miss. But I do watch for Kentucky. And that's a great story and a great team. And how far they've come in a few years. Bama ekes out the win against Texas. I talked about that already. Um, the other thing I want to talk about, I gave a lot of props last week to Notre Dame. Look, y'all, don't be fooled. I am not a Notre Dame fan. That's the other O'Connor. My brother Barry is a huge Notre Dame fan, but I really wanted to believe. I watched them against Ohio State Week One, and they played so fucking physical. They were just—they were beating up a better, talented Ohio State team. They're just beating them. And then I watched against against Marshall, and it looked like Marshall came out and just kind of punched him in the nose. And you know, if you ever been hit in the face, you know your eyes tear up a little bit, and you're like, you get a little disoriented, you're like, oh shit. But then you wipe your eyes clean, and you, you stagger back up, and you're like, okay, I got this. And I thought going into the half, Notre Dame scored. I thought, okay, the cream's going to rise to the top. Notre Dame's going to be fine. They'll pull this off. Well, I couldn't have been more wrong. Marshall kicked the shit out of him in the second half physically, and Notre Dame loses the game. I I don't even know how to explain it at this point. I I, I could not believe what I saw with my own two eyes. Marshall wins 26-21. Um, Notre Dame's quarterback uh, is hurt now. Uh, Buckner is going to be out for the season. Tyler Buckner is out for the season with a high grade AC joint sprain uh, in his non throwing shoulder. Uh, he's going to have surgery. They're saying it's going to take four months. Season's over by then. So we, we won't see Buckner back. Uh, they are going to be starting, and I have it here. Uh, Drew Penn will be the starting quarterback. He's a sophomore, and uh, we'll see what happens. Notre Dame. They do have a pretty favorable schedule. They've got some cupcakes for a few weeks. Uh, they got Cal, North Carolina. They do have a game against BYU, who I'm going we'll to talk about in a minute as well. Um, Stanford, UNLV, until their game against Clemson, and then they have USC at the end of the season. But boy, it's not looking good if you're Notre Dame. If you if you you're going to have to figure out a way to win a game against Clemson or BYU, or you may be in serious trouble, and you can't afford to drop a game to a North Carolina or a Cal or Stanford. So let's see what happens. It'll be interesting to see what happens in Notre Dame. They've fallen completely out of the top 25 after falling from five to eight last week. They're now completely out of the top 25. Um, I hadn't seen that miraculous a fall in quite a while, but I guess when you lose the Marshall at home, that's going to do it for you. A couple of other things that was kind of notes of, of impressed and non-impressed I mentioned earlier last week that I was really on Baylor, and Baylor was at BYU in what I thought was a really good game. Um it was a late game, two overtimes. Baylor or BYU wins it in overtime 26-20. Uh Baylor had a couple chances to get back in this game and win it in the end. Uh forced BYU to miss two field goals, one at the end of over one at the end of the game, of the regulation and one at the end of the first overtime. Um, I really thought Baylor was going to be the one in the Big 12. And I, I guess not. BYU is, 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 is legit. They've jumped up nine spots after beating Baylor. They have Oregon this next week. And I really suspect they're going to put it on Oregon, who I've been less than impressed with over the last few weeks, or these first couple of weeks of the season. Uh, That was one of, when Ellen and I talked in the .5 last week, I gave a couple of picks. I liked Baylor, and I liked Houston as underdogs, and I liked them both outright. Now, Houston ended up uh, covering the spread at 3.5 in their loss to Texas Tech, also in overtime, in double OT, uh, but could not pull off the win there. Dana Holgerson, if you follow the Coach Bono's uh, podcast Twitter, you'll see what my thoughts were throughout the end of that game. Dana Holgerson, just horrible time in his play calling in that game, I thought. It, I shouldn't trust anybody with a haircut like his. That hairstyle is awful. He looks like Joe Dirt was his cousin. Uh, just a ridiculous, ridiculous game that he called. Uh, Houston has KU this week, and we're going to give it up for the Jayhawks. Hey, um... Jayhawk Nation, Rock Chalk, 2-0, a big win against West Virginia at West Virginia. The first road, Big 12 win uh, after well, they beat Texas last year. But before that, it goes back to 2011. Great win. Devin Neal looked incredible. That guy is an amazing player. KU's so lucky to have him. And... um And Daniels, again, is playing so well at quarterback. I really like what I'm seeing. And I'm not sure that, that KU is going to win this week against Houston. Houston's a more talented team. But they can keep it close. And I don't think we'll see KU. The moment won't be too big. The game won't be too big for the Jayhawks. They're going to come in with some swag. They're going to come in with some confidence. And... I think they'll give a game to Houston. I'm not sure how close this game will be. Game the better horses are going to be on the Houston sideline. But Jayhawk fans, you're 2-0 for the first time in a long time. And I got to tell you, it must feel good because they people are excited here in Lawrence, and the Jayhawks deserve it. And Lance Leipold, or Leipold, I get it mixed up there, uh, Coach Leipold has done an incredible job. His players believe, and when they believe and he believes, they can win. So props to KU. Um, just unbelievable. So a couple of quick notes there. I also wanted to bring up a couple other games. I mentioned Kentucky earlier. They had a big win at Florida. Um, again, this is a team I think could drive themselves all the way into the top five. Oklahoma State, in a game I thought would be a lot closer really put it on Arizona State in a home game at, in uh, in Stillwater. And my covering machines, USC beats up Stanford beats them by 13 and that game was nearly as close. Stanford got 14 in the fourth quarter to make that game close. That game was 35-14 at the half. USC is one of just is just playing incredible. Caleb Williams has now moved into the second um, second place as far as the odds makers for the Heisman. Um, I suspect that will get even better as he moves forward. I think that he's probably played better than C.J. Stroud and Bryce, Bryce Young uh, through the first two weeks. And I expect big things there. Uh, the other big upset, I want to talk about this one for a minute, is like I got to send some props to Ellen. Ellen called this... On the point five, we were talking about our picks. I mentioned the two picks I like. I said, which underdog do you think has a chance? And I don't want to say a shit all over it, but I damn sure did dismiss it in the moment. And that was she said she liked Appalachian State. And I'll be goddamned if Appalachian State doesn't go to College Station and beat Texas A&M 17-14. So, Ellen, I know you'll hear this. I'm sure you're going to be some grief on Friday on the .5 pod, props to you for you were all over this one. Again, I didn't totally dismiss it, but I was like, I don't know. Even though we know App State's been good the last three or four years. I mean, it's a team that I mean beat Michigan a few years ago. They beat, they've had some big wins as a school. If you haven't seen it on Twitter or on TikTok or really any of the Insta- or Instagram, there's a great video from App State in Boone, in, uh, Boone North Carolina when there's a bar, I guess, in their their version of their college area, where the kids are coming down the hill from both sides. And they meet in the middle after the big upset. Great feeling. That's what college football is about. It's about those young people enjoying the game. Uh, we saw it here in Lawrence this week, even though the game was, you know, in West Virginia uh, all the weekend. We saw kids running around, just happy as hell. Everyone's talking about the Jayhawks. Same kind of thing. So. Props to App State. I want to jump real quick into week three. Now, we're going to talk a little more about week three on the point five, but there's um, one thing I do want to get into on the business side of college sports, and that's Nebraska, who's playing Oklahoma this week. Nebraska has fired Coach Scott Frost. Now, why is that a big deal? Why is it even really reportable? Well, one, it's a big deal in Nebraska cuz Scott Frost is he was a Heisman winner. He was a, a a big deal at Nebraska. And it's one of those when you hire one of your guys, the problem is eventually you have to fire them. And this is where they were. Nebraska's one and two, they haven't looked competitive in those two losses. They have Oklahoma coming up. And I'm surprised on the timing because I do understand that uh, come October one, Nebraska would have saved seven and a half million dollars on Scott Frost's buyout. But I understand his buyout was fifteen million and he's it would have now it's fifteen million, which is what he's walking away with. Um, they'd have waited till October first. Uh, Nebraska would have only had to pay $7.5 million. I wonder why the urgency to make a change. Um, as I look at Nebraska's schedule, they have Oklahoma this week, and then they have a bye week, and they play Indiana. So it's two games, sure, but even if you lose both, they still have seven games after that you'd have to win six of to make a bowl game, but you've only got one currently ranked team on the schedule, and that's Michigan on November the 12th. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that he could have righted the ship in two weeks, or you save seven and a half million and, and you think, well, maybe these next two losses, but look, you're not beating Oklahoma anyway. And even an interim coach probably isn't going to have them ready for Indiana. I. I don't understand the business side of that, but and for it to be Scott Frost, a Nebraska guy, tells me that the powers-to-be really didn't like what he was doing in Nebraska. So uh, too bad on that, and I'm sorry to hear that for Scott Frost, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. They're going to go with an interim guy. I don't know who the interim coach is, but they'll have an interim for the rest of the season, and we'll see. I've seen a couple different names out there for you know the future, but we'll see. We won't know anything till till January on who the next coach in Nebraska will be. Uh, last thing I want to get into before we get over to Uncle Rico is I don't know if anybody watched College Game Day, but College Game Day on ESPN. You know, the last few years Game Day has really sagged as far as the excitement. I like Desmond Howard. I like I like Lee Corso, but Lee Corso is eighty years old. And, and Herm Street's great. I mean, he's as knowledgeable about college football as anybody. But ESPN hit a home run this week when they added Pat McAfee to game day. He just brings an excitement that is unlike literally anybody else. Um, Pat McAfee on game day, that is like a hand in a glove. That's going to be awesome. And I think week one just showed it. Uh, he's uh, he's obviously going to be the long-term replacement for Lee Corso, but I think there'll be a certain excitement with him and Corso together that should be a lot of fun. And we'll talk a little more about that with Ellen on the point five as well. This week. Hey, before we get over to Uncle Rico, I want to get in and say a little something about DoorDash. Hey, DoorDash is here. They're helping us out. Hey, all weekend you're watching football, right? You're not going out. We're not going to be doing a whole lot of stuff, especially as this weather gets bad and it gets a little more cloudy and a little more cold, and you're not going to want to cook. We got a solution for you. DoorDash. Check out DoorDash and get in there right now. Use our promo code. Use the link in the show notes. Save yourself $10 on each of your first three orders for new new customers only. Check it out. Remember, if you already are a customer and you want to give it a try, use a different phone or use a different email address. A little help for you on that one. And we thank DoorDash for sponsoring the podcast today. Coming in to review week one action in the NFL is our most popular returning contributor. Ladies, if you're in the greater Denver area, open up a nice bottle of Appleton Farms dark rum, lay out some timeless pro v one golf balls and he will magically appear. He's a man of style, sophistication, and he remains undefeated against home pregnancy tests with a revised record of 50 and O. He is the Floyd Mayweather of the Coach Bono's podcast. His mother named it Ricardo And around here, we call him Uncle Rico. My main man, Ricardo Gervolini. What's up, Rico?
1: How's it going? Doing pretty good. Hey, Uncle Rico,
0: your appearance is brought to us by Stitch Fix. So those who are listening, Uncle Rico is going to be with us throughout the year. We're going to be doing these on the Monday pod. We're going to be doing these on Tuesday now and getting them out as quickly as we can. Um, And so you'll check out the show notes. You $25 off your first box at Stitch Fix. Check out the link in the show notes and follow that link to save money today. So check that out. We thank Stitch Fix for sponsoring Uncle Rico and bringing him on to talk football with us. So, hey, let's get into week one. Uncle Rico, what do you think?
1: I got got all of week one saved two teams summed up in one word, undisciplined, across the board. I agree. And tonight was an exceptional display of how undisciplined these teams are right now. They, yeah. This is not what they're going to look like in a few weeks, but this is week one. We, You never know who the team is until this happens, and all I see is just a lot of undisciplined
0: mistakes yeah. for a lot of teams. Yeah, Let's peel back the curtain a little bit. It's, uh, it's late Monday night. We're normally going to do these on Sunday night, but we're going to do uh, Monday night this week because I wanted to get week one. in. We get the entire week. Had a big game with Russell Wilson returning to Seattle. We're going to talk about that first tonight. Uh, We are just coming right off it. The Seahawks surprised everybody. They win the game 17 16 in a game filled with errors. Seattle came out, I think, tell me what you think here, but they came out and and put a foot right in the face of the Broncos in the beginning. And then the Broncos fumble twice on the goal line. And it made a pretty – I think you and I will agree, we don't agree with any of the coaching in the fourth quarter at the end, what uh, the coach did with going for the 63-yard field goal and some different things in there. But you think that kind of sums up the your, your idea of you say that the, the discipline, um, the lack of discipline really was kind of a, a, a microcosm of that was Monday night's game, if you look at it. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Between for, if you, even if you set aside the goal line fumbles and we're talking the six inch line fumbling yeah. right there, you know, you can set that aside and you still have way more penalties that shouldn't have happened on, on, uh, on both teams, but especially the Broncos, more so the Broncos, because it were the, the timing of them were so egregious, you know, multiple plays that, are penalties that kept drives alive for Seattle. This shouldn't have happened. They're just just shooting themselves in the foot. And this is not a knock on Seattle. Seattle played okay. I I don't think they were exceptional. I just think they made less mistakes today, by all means. Um, I, I, I saw flashes of real talent. And uh, I believe it was the uh, running back Williams on the Broncos side was. He he looks like he's going to be something special. I like the way he runs. I like the way he plays. Russell Wilson was Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, but uh, I got to ask. I, 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 we were just mentioning it. Can he throw to an outside shoulder ever?
0: I, I don't think so. I. I'll I'll start off by saying I've always had a little bit of a Russell Wilson's not top tier to me. Um, Today, he was 29 of 42, 340 yards, one touchdown. And his feet get him out of a lot of problems. But today, he only had one carry for two yards. But I tend to agree with you. and My biggest problem has been he doesn't make a lot of the really hard pro throws that guys like Rodgers, and Mahomes, and Allen, and Herbert. And and even guys like Dak Prescott have better arms than Russell Wilson. A lot of his deep balls over time have been, I call them lollipops. And they're these these long, high-thrown balls that guys like Tyler Lockett have gotten under in times. We've seen DK Metcalf as a guy who can get himself open and he's a guy who, you know, Russ could throw the ball near and DK can make plays. But now in Denver, Russ doesn't know his guys yet. He's only, you know, played preseason with them and been in training camp with them. Um, I'm looking right now at Denver's receiving stats this week. You mentioned Javante Williams, the back. Javante Williams had 11 receptions for 65 yards, uh, he had seven carries for 43. He had a great game. I agree with you 100%. He was the best player on the field for Denver tonight, but when you've got Jerry yeah. Judy and Cortland Sutherland, and you're not getting them involved, I mean, these two guys had eight receptions between them, 174 yards. Judy had the 67-yard touchdown, but I mean, taking the 67-yard touchdown out, you got seven seven receptions for 115 yards. I mean, it's not a great reset. When you got two guys who are that highly thought of, you got to do something better. And I'm not Russell Wilson's biggest fan. I would not have given him that huge extension. I think he kind of had to once you made the trade, though. Um, mm. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on his arm talent. I don't think he can throw a lot of those throws. And it's been covered up oh. over time in Seattle. And it's not so much. Well, it's, it's, it's not going to, it's, he can't
1: cover this up. It's egregious because here's the problem. I I understand these high lofty throws. I get that. That's fine. I don't hate that, but I can't, I I can, I can recollect immediately three times where it was the right distance, but no way was it catchable because he threw it inside the defender not to the inside shoulder, these guys are reaching over to knock the ball down to prevent an interception. It's not even that they're high or or slow or whatever. It's that you've got the receiver on the outside, you've got the defender on the inside, and the ball is inside that. It's ridiculous.
0: That is no way to throw a ball. When his receivers are having to play defensive back, which has been an ongoing issue, people don't really talk about with Russell Wilson. And, and look, we're gonna be, I'm going to be real frank. He's got a Super Bowl. He probably should have too, but he's got a Super Bowl because he was a rookie and they had Marshawn Lynch and they had the best defense of a generation at the time. But as soon as the Legion of Boom had to break up because of the salary cap and you had to pay the quarterback, that team went to shit. There is a reason Seattle let him go. And we know going into this season, Seattle's not a talented team. This is a team that's really in the mix for a really high draft pick. This is a team that's not going to sniff. Didn't do
1: anything outstanding today.
0: No, they're not going to. They're not going to sniff more than six or seven wins. If that Geno Smith unbelievably came out and played great in the first half, he looked phenomenal in the first half, and then it was like all the offense forgot to play the second half. Three total points. Wilson wasn't good. Smith was bad. It made for some bad football. I think you said it really well. Undisciplined is certainly a, um, a a sort of a, of a theme this week in the NFL. I want to bring up real quick on that game, the clock management, at the end of the game, we were, we were both on here watching together. And we both just lost our shit with the minute to go in the game. I'm going to, reset this a little bit so with a minute to go in the game a minute 10 the broncos run a third down play it's now fourth and five it's a little under a minute to go they run the clock down to 20 seconds and then attempt call a timeout and attempt a 64 yard field goal which they end up missing but you mentioned this we were talking about this you, We talked about the odds. We said, what are the odds of actually making a 64-yard kick? And we found that it's about 25%. It's about one in four of making a 64-yard field. That's number one, 64. Now, you did some looking real quick, and I found this interesting. Tell me the stat of what was the same odds from that same point in the field
1: this is on nfl.com you can go out and check and and look for this there are this there's a bunch of numbers that aws has crunched on this and so there's other factors that come into play but the one that sticks out to me is about air distance so and and this is specific pass and i'm going to read it right off passes traveling more than 40 air distance yards have roughly a 20 percent chance of completion while passes traveling 10 air distance yards have roughly 80 percent chance of completion so when you take that against the kick you have about even money if instead of going for a 63 yard field goal russell wilson throws it to the end zone you got about the exact same odds as kicking it by by the numbers whereas he only had to go five yards it was fourth and five on the 46. they burnt 30 seconds and if you just thrown it five yards or ran it five yards down, I understand that it's fourth down, but here's where you and I think are in agreement. This is a coach playing not to lose versus a coach wanting to win. Yeah. I put my money on going five yards and getting the first down and trying to make that kick better by just getting a few more yards, five, 10 more yards. To just not, so he's not taking 63 yards. He's, you know, that's at the edge of almost every kicker's distance. If they're lucky, you just don't often take those.
0: Yeah. So we were both talking while watching this, and we're both shouting, Why are you letting the clock run? And then he calls the timeout with 20 seconds. He ran 45 seconds off the clock when our thought process both was, Well, shit, use the timeout right after third down, get your best fourth down play. Get the first down, and then you could take two or three shots downfield or to get ten more yards, go up, spike the ball, and you got a better shot at a 40 yard field goal or a 45 yard field goal than a 64 yard. I
1: Hell, I would have ran that hurry up. I would have gone right off the third down, I, straight probably, into the fourth down. Don't give a chance yeah. to defense do anything different, and
0: run your play. Yeah, and I agree with that, too. I think that's something being extra aggressive where you still have the timeout in your pocket. I didn't like it at all, and I, I likened it to, it seems to me that the coaches, one, they don't understand how a fucking clock works. Uh, we see this in college. We see it in the NFL. Now, Granted, this is his first game as the head coach, but someone's got to be tough. They had this a discussion you have to have during the week. What do we do in this case? You cannot leave it up to a 64-yard, 364-yard field goal. You just can't. Not no, if this, you still have This is egregious, in, in my opinion. You have a minute and you a field goal in a, in a timeout.
1: Yeah, there, for everyone that's up, this isn't us playing Monday, money quarterback after it happened. We are yelling at each other about this as it's happening.
0: I mean, well, and here's the other thing that happened this weekend that was very similar. We were talking last night. You didn't get to see it live, but did you see what happened in the fort in the the overtime of the Bengals game? Yes, yes. I mean, I came up glued when they already have a snap situation. They got the backup. They have a a different uh, long snapper. You've already had a, an extra point block. Now you can keep a field goal, and the Bengals end up punting. And playing for the tie because they realize they're not going to make a 70-yard field goal, which is the right thing. But even though it was fourth and 16, I got Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. They already made a fourth and a third and 20 just, just 10 minutes before. I got to give myself a chance to win the game and not be afraid to lose. Because I even agree. if they I turn agree. the ball and I'll, over, and I'll
1: preface it with this. I'll preface that my agreement with this. I don't believe that an NFL game should ever end in a tie. I, I hate that. Yeah. yeah. I hate well, the that. Rule. There's always the one, great, one game. There's always one game that ends in a tie. And it's usually in the first or one or two weeks. I hate it. I absolutely despise a tie in pro sports. This is bullshit. Well, the, the,
0: prob- the problem is you get to a health and safety thing. You get past the full a full overtime. I get that. They're already making these guys play 17 games now. So if you want to I, then let's change it. Let's make the kicker responsible. Let's start a shootout. Yeah. Start
1: at the twenties, kick a field goal. One yeah. at a time, one at a time, whoever misses first at a distance and the I other one back. makes it game over. That's your winner. No ties. Yeah. I'm, yeah. The, you know, we talk about, you know, removing the kickoff because everyone just kicks it in the end zone. Make them kick the fucking field goals yeah what's wrong with that they that it's their job make them and almost always we're talking about kicking field goals at the end of the games as game winners
0: why is this so hard let them kick field goals to win the game at a time well again i agree and i i I don't know that that's the, the exact rule i'd go with but i know that i would what i didn't like getting back to my original point was i don't like coaches not playing to win and I felt like into that game, the Broncos coach wasn't playing to win. I certainly don't think Zach Taylor was. And I know I got blown up. I said something on Twitter last night about it. And even Ellen, you know, said something about, well, if Burrow doesn't turn the ball over five times. Well, that's very true. But at the same time, it's and 16 Go for it. Take the shot. And if you – so if you give the ball back to them a half, you know, a half at the, a midfield and they get a field goal, okay, they win. But you took a shot to win. What was fucked up was they punted, and then what happened? Steelers came out and got a field goal anyway. Mm-hmm. So why are we doing this? That, to me, was egregious. I, I was at the bar. I'm watching the games. I'm watching the early games at Johnny's Tavern and Lawrence and Johnny's West. And when they when the, when the Bengals punted, I left. I was already cashing out. I was leaving anyway. I was like, well, I'm going to go home. This is going to end the tie. And I was pissed about that. And then when I got home, the wife sitting there. And she goes, well, you can't be happy. Burrow lost. And I said, they lost? She said, yeah, they got the ball back with 20 seconds and got a field goal because of the big penalty. And I'm like, are you fucking shitting me? It's the same result as if they'd have tried to make fourth and sixteen and not made it. Yeah, I mean, take a shot. If you got these quarterbacks, you're paying Russell Wilson how much money? Joe Burrow is going to make how much money? Win the fucking game. Oh, Give Burrow, your quarterback yeah. a chance to win the game. I think this it's. Is, e- that, yeah. I think it's the word. I think it's egregious in both cases.
1: So you find out who your head coaches are when in situations like this. You know,
0: there is a reason that Bill Belichick has run rampant over this league for 20 years. It, you know, last two years outstanding. But those are the outliers. But there is a reason that for a generation he outcoached everybody. It's because he plays to win. And too many he uses his tools don't. effectively. Yeah. And he'll play the numbers and not be – and if the numbers come back and bite him in the ass, at least he's being aggressive. And you can't get upset about being aggressive, especially in a sport like Yes, football. I mean, hey we have a – The upset. whole game is
1: built around aggression. You need to go after yeah. a win. If you're not going after a win, they'll take it from you, yeah. which happened. I, happened today. Happened yesterday. It's week one, and you're finding out which coaches are prepared – to go after a win, and which ones are willing to
0: settle not to lose? Yeah, We had a lot of upsets this week. We just oh. saw Seattle beat Denver. The Bears beat the 49ers. We talked about the Steelers beating the Bengals in overtime. The Eagles-Lions you know which game one was almost an upset. The Lions are coming back, came back and made that a game. Uh, we I had, like
1: that, but here's you know what the game I really liked. To, I, I like the score on. I like seeing it.
0: Hmm. Miami, New England. Yeah, you know that was one of those I was like, well, I, the Dolphins were the favorite in that game. They took it to the Patriots. They were the, the favorite. Yeah, the they were the gonna...
1: favorite, but you know there's a lot of question marks on Miami. I felt they answered some of those questions.
0: Well, and I was going to get in that next question for you, but on the on the, a couple of weeks, we had the Giants beat the Titans. We had the, the tie between the Colts and the Texans. How the Colts let the Texans tie? That's ridiculous. And really, they got handed it too. Look, the, the Texans outplayed yeah, the Colts. They got lucky. The
1: game. They got lucky.
0: Uh, we had the Vikings again. A lot of people didn't really. I didn't really know what, what the Vikings were going to be so far. I picked the Packers in that game. I know by the time the kickoff, the Vikings were actually the favorite. Um. But we saw a lot of upsets, you know, underdogs winning outright. And you mentioned a lot of the undisciplined stuff earlier. Is this something we're going to see throughout the season? You think, or do you think that between week one and two, the teams will clean that up?
1: Uh, this is this is the 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 byproduct of starters not playing in the in the preseason, are they like, playing only like half a game? in week one, in the first week of the preseason, but not playing. How many starters didn't play any downs in the preseason whatsoever? Yeah. So You walk into week one with only practices. You have you've knocked off no dust. You've had a couple of scrimmages, but you haven't played anything in a stadium. You haven't played yeah. in front of a crowd except for, you know, whoever's showing up to practices in the media. This is This is undisciplined because you are not using your preseason – the way it's meant to be used to prep your players, what you're doing is you're auditioning for those last roster spots and, and giving second, you know, your, your backups a chance to play when they will rarely see the field otherwise. Yeah. I, I, I think you look at, I, I, I thought two teams were ready to play, Bills and the Chiefs. I agree. They walked in, put the hammer down and showed they came into week one ready to play. I think everybody else was, even the high-scoring games. If you you know, if you're looking at some good games, even those, you're still seeing some undisciplined play.
0: Yeah. Do you think that the same situation of not having players play in the preseason? Do you think that hurt? Like, I mean, obviously it hurt the Cowboys, but and the Cowboys had the injury to Dak late in the game. But um, you know, the Bucks look sluggish on Thursday night. The Rams looked real sluggish. Uh, New Orleans didn't turn it on until the fourth quarter when they finally let Jameis Winston be Jameis Winston. Um, finally, and the yeah. Bengals were sluggish. Frankly, do you think that's a big part of it? These were quarterbacks. A lot of them, if you look, guys like like Burrow didn't play at all because of the of the surgery. Brady took a week and a half off in the middle of pre in the middle of training camp. Didn't play but a one but one possession in the uh, preseason. Do you think that's part of the issue as well? Is it just not? Yeah, being, and not here's being, why.
1: With the way rosters work, if you're not playing your starters in the preseason almost at all, if, if not at all, very, very little, yeah. you have no chance outside of practice to develop chemistry. Chemistry in practice and chemistry in the field are two very different things because you can't hit a quarterback in practice. You're running routes without a defender or not a defender who's looking to, to really take you, take you on. They're trying to keep their job, yes. But when you have an opponent who's in the middle of a game who's going to cover you tight, you are not seeing the same routes. You not, your targets are not the same targets in a game as they are in practice.
0: Yeah.
1: So you are not playing... In a game, you're basically figuring out, oh, this is what it's going to be like this year with this receiver. And let's not forget that some of these guys, they've never played together. Russell Wilson tonight, his first game as a, as a, as a Bronco. Yeah. He's still figuring, you know, these teams, these players on the Broncos side or on the offense are learning who they are. They haven't had a chance to play together yet. And you see that with new wide receivers, new running backs, rookies across the league. That's going to happen because you have to develop that tempo, that chemistry, that figuring out how to play together. And if you don't do that in preseason, you have to do it in the first few weeks. The bitch of it is, and here's what bites you in the ass about it, is that if it takes longer than the other team to figure it out, then you end up 0-2, 0-3. And And you know what teams are, when when you go 0-2 and 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 0-3, even if you develop the chemistry after that, the odds are not in your favor to make the playoffs. By then, yeah. it's too late. I agree. The odds, think- as it was back when it was a sixteen-team format, if you went zero and two, you had what a four percent chance, seven
0: percent chance of making the playoffs. Yeah, it was something in the sixteen-game schedule, it was yeah. I the, think the, 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 there was a things I remember a number of years ago when the Cowboys come off one of their championships when Emmitt Smith was holding out, and they went zero and two, and they were like, "Oh shit, we got to get him back," and that was the last team to go zero and two. And win the Super Bowl. It did happen a couple of years later. Uh, that Bucks team that Brady had, they started zero two. Yeah, but you're yeah. right. I it's think rare. That, yeah, and I think that if you look at it now, you look at just the uh, the you look at the teams and you go, okay, well, if, if, there's going to be a big difference in teams. It's, I've always said that teams make the biggest jump from week one to week two. But we're going to see. And, and let me ask you this. Is there a team that you look at and go, boy, if they don't get it together week two and three, they're in serious trouble?
1: Packers jump right yeah. out because yeah. last year, last they'll say they did the same thing last year, yes, yeah. but if you do the same thing twice, expecting a different result, what do they call that? Insanity, insanity,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. and the so, Packers
0: lose the they so start hours. out
1: like sh- you. They lose Devontae Adams, so you, you stump, when you have Devontae Adams, you stumble in the first week last year, and then you go off. If mm-hmm. they don't fix this this week, I think, you know, one, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have this problem, one. Two, if you don't fix it this week, which is possible, you had got a rough rest of the season in front of you.
0: Well, you know, I mean, the other thing with the Packers is also I think mean, losing Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, the new coach of the Broncos, he was Aaron Rodgers' yeah. offensive coordinator these last four. For each of the years that Rodgers was the MVP, he's had Nathaniel Hackett there with him. And now he doesn't have Nathaniel Hockett with him. And, you know, what's that going to do? I don't know if that's the reason that the Packers didn't play well week one, but I tend to agree with you that, you know, we're going to see some teams. I'm worried about week two for a lot of teams. Um you know, I think both Tampa and New Orleans played sluggish, and they play each other, week two.
1: Um, yeah,
0: yeah. You know, San Francisco, who got throttled by the Bears, is going to play the same Seattle team coming off the high and playing well. Dallas, no Dak, is playing Cincinnati, who you know Joe Burrow's pissed. I heard he was sitting in the locker room oh, over I, an hour in uniform.
1: Have you have you taken a, taken a good look at Dallas? after after the announcement today. Well, no, no, more than that. So Dak's going to miss about eight weeks. Sixteen months, ish. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm looking at the season. I'm looking at the rest of the schedule, and I'm thinking optimistically. Optimistically, by the time Dak gets back, they're three and six.
0: They are very
1: likely to be one and
0: seven by then. I, they have, they have, the, I'll read off your schedule here. I got it. It's the Bengals at home next week and they're at the Giants. They play the commanders at home and then they play the Rams and the Eagles back to back three, four, five, six, uh, the Eagles is week six. If we want to get out to week eight, you then have the lions and the bears back to back. And, and let's be honest. Hey, does anybody want to piece of this lion's team right now?
1: No, they're on the upswing right now. They have, they lost,
0: yes. They but lost. they lost to a very good Philly team, barely. And they play hard. They are handcuffed yes, to did. quarterback. And they are going to come at you. They have, I mean, if you've watched Hard Knocks, they come. And they take in their coach's mentality. And that's a bad motherfucker. Hey, man, Dan Campbell was the Saints for a long time. We saw him as the coach that I wanted Dan Campbell to be the Saints coach when Sean Payton retired. Um, he'd already left the year before to go to, to go to Detroit, so it wasn't going to be his gig. But, man, he is a dude that people want to play for him. He's a badass, and he is going to make that team. And they kept saying grit, and I guess gritty is the word, but, man, they are just – they're going to keep coming at you. It's like the old line from Casino – If you beat Tommy with a bat, he's coming back, or or from Goodfellas. You beat him with a bat, he's coming back with a knife. You beat him with a knife, he's coming back with a gun. And if you beat him with a gun, you better put him down because he's going to keep coming and keep coming. And that's Dan Campbell. And he's instilled that in that Lions team. They're not pretty. I'll tell you, they're not going to, and they're not likely to have a 500 record, but nobody wants a piece of that team. Nobody.
1: I'll give you, I'll give you another one on that. Go ahead. I believe it's Aiden Hutchinson is this year's Micah Parsons. He's going yeah, to got... spark that team needs. And they... he is, he is providing it. He is, they, he is the Detroit Lions Micah Parsons this year. He is, Out. he is getting people off their feet and off their butts and making things happen. I don't know if they'll be 500. Maybe they'll be higher. Maybe they'll be lower. But Detroit this year is not the Detroit of the last 20 years.
0: I would bet, oh, and we'll talk about DraftKings here in a little bit. as one of the sponsors. But I'll tell you that I'm, right now, I would bet that the, that the Lions do not lose a game by more than 10 points a season. If there that was a way for me. me to bet that and get some odds, I would take that bet because they're going to be in that, every that, game. Let me get their schedule.
1: I, I, I would agree with that. That's a team that so, is on. They're in the right. Yeah. They're they're trending in the right direction, not just for this season, but for repeated yeah. seasons. They're they're yeah. wanting to get out of this funk. I like way. their.
0: I like the, I, the my teams of that level. Um, I like what they're doing. I don't like the quarterback situation in Detroit. But this other team, I don't like their quarterback situation right now either. And he's out for a little while. And that's Zach Wilson with the Jets. But I like the Jets and what they're doing and putting pieces together. And that's a team that, again, it's not 2022, 2023, 2024. Man, you're not going to want to play. I made the comment, uh, was it with you? I made the comment that I want to go to Lions at Jets in December. Because that's That's gonna gonna be. I
1: I like the look of that game. I like to see what those two teams are in December. See where they are at. Yeah,
0: that's gonna be a Jim Ross slobber knocker. That's gonna be like watching a Ravens Steelers game in the early two thousands. When was the last time you were looking forward
1: to a Detroit? Yeah. When was the last time you were looking down the road and Mm -hmm. seeing a Detroit game or a Jets game? God forbid the two of them play together that you're looking forward to.
0: Yeah. You know Detroit always remember. has Detroit always has that early Thanksgiving game. I don't know if you yeah. see. I, I just pulled it up. See who their opponent is on Thanksgiving. It's Buffalo. Who is it? Buffalo. Oh wow! Because Buffalo, Detroit's I, a team I, that will that crush your in.
1: dreams in a moment.
0: Man, but I, I think Buffalo's the best team in the league. I think one to fifty three, there is no team better than the Buffalo Bills. And I think they're going
1: to. I think they they made that statement true this week.
0: And, and, but that's a game I'm going to not miss a moment of. Because, I mean, Buffalo's going to turn Jared Jared Goff uh, over twice. But that's going to be a slobber. I mean, it's just teams that they're not going to back down. They're just not going to. So.
1: I would agree. uh, You know, you look at. You, you, we're talking Detroit, we're talking Chiefs, we're talking Buffalo. Obviously, you're talking about Detroit for a different reason, but Buffalo yeah, right absolutely. now is a team you definitely don't want to play. They, are, they came out ready. Yeah, and they and showed it against our current Super Bowl champions yeah. and put, didn't just beat them, smacked them down. Yeah.
0: They owned that game. Yeah, Thursday night, that Thursday night game, I mean, it was a game for a half. And Buffalo came out in the second half and just went, nope, no, 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 no. We 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 got a little nervous, but we're good. And they just ran it off, yeah. ran it away. I made the comment last week, and I want to hear your opinion on this that Tyreek Hill leaving the Kansas City Chiefs is good for the Chiefs. I would agree
1: with that because what it basically says is that. The Chiefs are going – it's kind of – it's almost the Patriot way. The Chiefs are going to be the Chiefs, whoever is at the position. We expect to be successful with who we have regardless.
0: Yeah. Well, and my point was – and Tony Romo said this, and I mentioned it last week, so I'm saying that I did it before Romo did. Um, I made the point of saying last week that I think that Mahomes will regress a little bit this season. And even if it's for half a season, it may not be the full season. It might be six, eight, ten weeks. But he's not going to have the safety blanket of Tyreek Hill for a big play where you can kind of draw it up in the in the dirt kind of thing. But right. what it will do when you have guys like Smith Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and other pieces, and now you've got to help Edwards-Hilares. With those pieces, and you still have Travis Kelsey, yeah. the best tight end in football, now you're playing a more thinking man's game, and it's going to be – because what have I criticized the Chiefs about? Two seasons. I've said the schoolyard bullshit is what's going to get them in trouble in the playoffs, and it does. You can't do that against good teams. I think the yeah, fact that you now focus on not having the, the, the backdrop of Tyreek which he's an incredible athlete and a great player. But when you don't have that to fall back on, it makes your quarterback have to do a little more work. It makes him have to be more precise with the decision-making. And I think in the long term, it will make Patrick Mahomes a better football player and a better quarterback as he gets older. When some of the physical skills start to deteriorate when he gets near 30 and 35, some of those skills, you have to get smarter. You have to play the game differently. And, you know, I compare Patrick Mahomes a lot to a better athlete of Dan, Dan. I compare him to Dan Marino, but he's more athletic. And one thing that Marino had to do later in his career was he had to become a more thinking man's guy, not just rely on the big arm. John Elway was the same way. Patrick Mahomes has a chance, and I do think that it's going to help him. And, again, he may take a regression this season, but he's going to be so much better in the long run doing it this way. And not they won't have the arguments of, well, you know, the enemy's not going to yell at him for not, not doing the play calls. They're not going to be able to do the backyard, schoolyard bullshit because – those other players aren't those type of players. They can't. They don't have the physical ability that Tyreek Hill has. I like, would agree. I think it, in the it, long run, if you're a Chiefs fan, and I'm not a Chiefs fan, but I think if you're a Chiefs fan in the long run, that's a good thing. And it sucks because Tyreek Hill is special. But in the long run, yeah. that's better for Patrick Mahomes, when it's all said and done. It came down; they had to make a decision: was it going to be Kelsey to stay or Tyreek? And they made the right decision Kelsey. by making it Kelsey.
1: Yeah, I know. I, Tyreek is as you're absolutely right; he's very special player, and he's going to have Sweet. success no matter where he goes. But if if I had to choose, you know, this is essentially Brady Gronk. This is Mahomes Kelsey. They are they comparison. are so in tune. It's a. They are so in tune with each other, you, you know. That's the, that's the, the quarterback, tight end, receiver relationship you need to hold on to. All the other pieces can move. Those are the two you want to gel around, yeah. because what they can do to block and to bail each other out is incredible. Yeah. But I agree with you on the Tyreek Hill piece, not because I think Ty, that he, Tyreek Hill is a crutch, but it is we've seen it over the last year since the Super Bowl. essentially Mahomes has been reliant on his natural skills and he needs to evolve his game. He needs to grow up essentially yeah. get out of that rookie mentality. And I believe what you're going to see is that he's going to graduate to that upper echelon. He's already been compared. He's already, you know, a top 10, a top five quarterback. He's I had him. I had my draft. He went number two in my draft shot, just went crazy. I don't know what the hell they were thinking but they had a good week. But my point is everyone's already high on him and he has another level or two to grow, to be an even better quarterback. And so I agree with you. I think getting rid of Tyreek isn't so much that it's better for Mahomes, but it's good for him to be growing more. You still want to get talent like Tyreek, but what you give up for Tyreek gets you more in the long
0: run for the Chiefs couple of last things I want to ju- get to on this. Um, Dak Prescott, we already talked about, he's out six to eight weeks. This is huge. Are the Cowboys just done now?
1: Yes, and, and, and it's not that they can't win. Let's, let's be clear on this. So I saw the stat earlier, I think it was yesterday or, or yesterday in the evening or, or today, Um That without without Dak over the last two years, I believe the Cowboys are five and seven. So it's not that they can't win without him. They're just not going to make a play. They don't have a winning record overall without him. So whatever it ends up being, whether they're three and six, one and seven, whatever it is, when he finally gets back, they're playing behind the eight ball in a division that we already don't pick them to win. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe. I I think they're they'll be lucky to make the playoffs. I don't see it happening. Especially the when when you look at it and I brought I texted you about this yesterday. They're the of the NFC least. They are the only team lost yesterday.
0: Yes. Yes, and they they are the only team with a loss in the end. when you told me that, when you texted me that, I didn't think of it that way and I was like, "Holy shit, he's right." Giants one, yeah. Eagles one, Commanders one. It's like holy shit yep. and and they don't look
1: to win next week either so they're coming out 0 and 2 possibly 0 and 3 where at least probably the, the the eagles if not another team will be 2 and 0 next week
0: yeah let me ask maybe this, all
1: three of them could be 2 and 0 i don't think they're playing each other
0: do you think do you think the Dallas Cowboys should be calling the 49ers and inquiring about Jimmy Garoppolo
1: they should, but they won't. And here's the, here's, the, here's the thing. I was looking at this actually earlier today um, for this very reason, is who's out there who's available. Because you have what Cooper – it's Cooper Rush, right, is yeah. the backup in Dallas. Yeah. Um, if yeah, I'm the 49ers and I see what just happened to Dak, and I'm looking at Trey Lance in his first NFL game as a starter – and I am less than impressed with this, you know, kind of a a loss to a mediocre Bears. I mean, the Justin Fields is great, but the rest of the team is eh. And the Bears took them down. I am, I I need a little bit of insurance because are you going to give Trey Lance a few games? You're not going to, I mean, you're not going to bench him now, but by week four or five. If he's not showing improvement, marked improvement on this season, you do have Jimmy G there. And yes, it's fucked up. And yes, it's screwed up. And it's, it screams just dysfunction. Yeah. But at the same time, if he goes down as a rookie, or he, um, he not only performs just, is, we've, we said from the beginning, we don't know who he is. Well, he could yeah. be shit in four weeks. Yeah. He could be absolute dog shit in four weeks. And, and if it- he is... It's time to bench him and put Jimmy G back in and, and do your Maya Culpa and eat crow because mm-hmm. that's the quarterback you had in a team that's
0: Super Bowl ready yeah. and you're 0 1. So, this is where I, I, I understand what you're saying. I don't disagree, but here's where I'm at with this. And I remember I had this talk with Tyler Jones on the Jones report last week. <clears throat> Pardon me. Next few games, I'm going to read out the 49ers next few games. Seattle, which we know is now no push-up. At, at Denver, the Rams. The Panthers, who we don't think is going to be very good. The Falcons, who we know is not very good. Then the Chiefs at home, the at the Rams, then they have the Chargers. I'm of the opinion that I'm kind of opposite with you on this, is that I think judging by the schedule, and now you compound it by losing week one, I think if you're the 49ers, you just go all in and say, Jimmy G is not under contract this the season. There's no reason to keep Garoppolo. I think I would get what I could get for Garoppolo and realize that I'm going to roll with Trey Lance. And if he has a three and 13 Peyton Manning rookie kind of season, I'm going to let it happen.
1: I get and that, but if I you're going to realize that, that they've they can...
0: they got games. I mean, they have non-divisional games with the Saints, the Bucs, the Chiefs, the Chargers, two games against the Rams. I mean, it's in the division. Uh, they have the Raiders late in the season. I I just look at it and I go, and, and this is where a lot of people like the 49ers. I said I thought maybe they could get in the playoffs, but I thought they could get in the playoffs as a wild-card team in a really down NFC. I think there's a lot Love of over- yeah, there's a lot of overreaction after week one, but I, I'm of the opinion, boy, if they drop, you know, three of the next four, I don't think I would switch to Garoppolo. I don't know how any better it would actually be. Go ahead.
1: Well, let me, let me ask you this. So if you're already doing that and you've already renegotiated um, Garoppolo's contract, he's not his $21 million tag, I think it's, it's $6 million.
0: Now it went from twenty-four to six. Here's
1: here's, yeah. Here's the, here's the rub. They just lost Elijah Mitchell, two yes. for two months, with the MCL sprain. So now your starting star quarter or running back is out. You're with a rookie quarterback at a team that had Super Bowl aspirations, and they're just watching it fly right out the window one player at a time. If you're going to deal them, deal them now to Dallas. Yeah. And, and just go all in. Otherwise there's no, you know, in three weeks, if Trey Lance isn't showing improvement, you are now looking for your next, next rookie quarterback to start. Yeah. And you know, you need to get rid of both of them at the end of the year. Yeah. Well, this is, this is, this is all on San Francisco just as bad, as, if not worse than green Bay was with Aaron Rodgers two years ago.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with that at all. I think that, you got to give the kid a chance. He didn't play well. They also had the rain and the the monsoon, basically, they played in in the second half of that game. And I don't think that forgives him. But I I don't see where they're as highly touted as some others do. And I think now I would expose this Dallas situation. This was the perfect situation for the 49ers to get something for Jimmy Garoppolo. That's the reason you reworked the deal. It wasn't because you didn't like Trey Lance. even if you don't. It was because it was cheaper to keep him in this case than it was to deal it, because nobody was trading for the twenty-four million. But if the Cowboys needed, if,
1: if they had renegotiated earlier and then traded him, then he would be uh, he would be a starter probably on three different teams right now.
0: Well, nobody but they didn't do that you.
1: because they wanted to get him. They wanted to get money for his deal, and There's, they they were stupid.
0: We've heard all over the place nobody was willing to trade for him. Nobody was willing. No, to no, nobody was willing to trade for him at that price tag. But no one's still looking to get him. Otherwise, they would have traded him because you don't want to keep the veteran backup if the rookie plays bad, because it's going to hurt the rookie in the long run if he's, if you bring him in the veteran, you know he's not going to be here next year.
1: Like I said, this is, this yeah. is San Francisco mismanagement to a T. This is worse than what Green Bay did with Aaron Rodgers two years ago. Yeah. It's terrible, terrible personnel management. I would fire that GM today. Yeah. It's god-awful. So because they put a- themselves in – they've really boxed themselves into
0: a corner. Okay. So give me a team that we're overreacting on either lost or didn't play well week one. Some of you who were going to overreact loss? and be wrong on.
1: I would agree with you on the Jets because I think they're better than that. Um, if Dak hadn't gotten hurt, I would say Dallas, but that's you know, I, honestly, the one that No, I can't even say that. Probably the one that just looks weird is Tennessee Giants, but that's a one-pointer at the end of the game. Just the Giants showed up. And you can say any given Sunday. I mean, it's week one. We just don't know.
0: In that division, let's talk about that division for a minute with the Titans. Titans lose to the Giants. Colts tie with the Texans. And then the Jaguars lose. So... Uh, Jaguars oh. lose the Browns by two. Really? AFC the NFC South that, doesn't have a win. Yeah, they don't have a win. The team that looked the best is the Texans. If you think about it, if you put it in the idea of I who you think they I are, agree. the Texans played better than expected. Now, I do tend to think the Colts and the Titans are the best two. They're the class of that division. And I know I picked the Colts in the division, but hey, man, you know what? They got Matt Ryan. And and what do I say about Matt Ryan? Matt Ryan does Matt Ryan things. I mean, the guy throws, (laughs) he throws for 352 yards this week on 50, 50 attempts. I don't understand. I think, I think anyone. I, I can... think this is
1: an aberration with, with Tennessee. I think Tennessee still takes the division. Although I will say this about Houston, if they are on the upswing, it's kind of you know there's a there's a bit of kind of looking at it this from a from a ten thousand foot overview. Is it is it they just have the monkey off their back with the Sean Watson gone now? That whole drama is behind them and they can move on.
0: Well, Lovie Smith's their coach. And Lovey's not a—he ain't gonna be. Well, gonna, got a new gonna, coach. He ain't gonna be half stepping out there. You are gonna play hard for Lovey. He's a player's guy. Yeah, and, and he's gonna get a raw deal. I'll, I'll say it now. I do believe Lovey's getting a raw deal. This is a situation where the Texans were under pressure to bring in a coach, and it was great for the league to bring in an African American coach. Now I'm not saying Lovey Smith didn't deserve a chance. I'm a big Lovey Smith guy. I believe in the guy. He wasn't really good when he went back to college and coached. And I think – I don't know that he should have been the head coach, but I also think he's not going to be there when that team uses all those draft picks they just got for Deshaun Watson. I think it's going to be, hey, let's bring in somebody else when it's time to reap the bounty of all the draft picks they've just traded for. Because it's a bad roster. It's a terrible roster. Davis Mills is a a terrible team.
1: They've been terrible for years, but But it feels almost like there's an, like they played, they played like they want to play with bad talent, Mm -hmm. but the, but the concept that they're actually going out there and making real effort and showing up against the, yeah, yeah. It's the Colts, but still they, I mean, it's almost like that, just that they've had this cloud over them for a few years now Mm -hmm. and it's in week one, and granted, like I said, it's week one, it's like that cloud is lifted. Like they're free to to you know breathe fresh air and actually go after it a little bit.
0: Yeah. I would agree. There's some, you know, they definitely some parting of the clouds and all that. And um yeah, just uh yeah. Real quick, I want to ask you something. Um we're doing, I'm watching this live. Do you, you have ESPN on still?
1: No, I turned it off. Turn
0: turn ESPN on real quick. Russell Wilson speaking to the media. I'd like you to see Russell Wilson's suit that he's wearing with the bow tie. You, just trust me. Just, just trust me on this. Uh, give, me, give me a minute. I'll get it up here. Uh, uh, I He clearly thought he was going to win this game because he's got that shiny gray uniform or suit jacket. looks like a tux with the black bow tie. He looks like he's ready to go on a date. You see it now. I see you smiling. Do you see it? It's coming up. I just, okay. I'm just. i hearing
1: you describe it. I can see it in my he eyes. He looks like
0: he and Sierra are about to go on a date, like they're about to go to walk the red carpet. He clearly thought there was no chance that they were not going to win that game. He thought he was going to come out it shot like- in Seattle. It's like satin. Yes, it's shiny. Satin, it's like shiny. gray, yes. like a silver, shiny satin. Kind of a, it looks like a pajamas, like, kind of material almost. it's, oh, this, it's, this it's kind of like it. a, It's kind oh. of a
1: um. It's uh, what's his name? Dang it! It's like Playboy Mansion, like it should. Like, like if you if N- you print N- it back, yeah. it's full length. It's a it's yeah. a full length Hugh Hefner satin, grayish, silver, greenish. Like it go like if you pulled back, I expect that to go full length. Yeah, you tell
0: me he didn't with the bow tie and all. He actually he there was no chance he packed two suits. That was definitely the suit he knew he was going to wear, because it was first game back in Seattle. We're going to win. This is going to be a celebration of me. And they lost. It it it's the
1: it's. The problem here is that if he took the jacket off, he's wearing a tux. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a bow tie. It's a dress shirt. It's the whole night. It's a tux uh-huh. but with this uh-huh. weird satin jacket. I just I, I saw yeah, that I, up there I, I and like I was it. like, I got I, to like grab you on that.
0: So hey, you watched I mean, the he doesn't game. He didn't even
1: look at you... it. If you're gonna do that, get the get the matching tie. Yeah.
0: yeah. The tie would have been dope. Hey, you watch I the game cool. if Monday you tied night. you that
1: together with the matching tie, that would have been cool. Yeah,
0: you watch the game Monday night. Do um, you like the Manning cast? You watch the via the Manning cast, right? Yeah, I actually
1: I like the Manning cast. And right. I like it more than the regular broadcast. And I've heard you describe it, you know, it, if, if the Saints were playing, you'd watch the main cast. I yeah. can tell you right now, I'm going to watch the Manning cast every time.
0: Yeah. So my thing is – I don't need the announcers. I love Peyton Eli. and we all know. If you know me, you know I am a mark for the Mannings. Archie was my hero as a kid. I love Peyton. I named a kid after Peyton Manning, your your, your nephew. So, um, but you know, I like the Manning. Tonight, the Manning cast was perfect for what I wanted because I was able to do the interview thing and that because these weren't my teams, and I not saying I wouldn't have watched the game, because if it's the only game I'm definitely going to watch, because I watch all NFL games. But if there had been other games, I would have switched games. But the way I look at the Manning cast is that the Manning cast for me is if I'm going to watch a game where I think it's going to be a competitive game or it's my team, if it's the Saints, you know that's my squad, or if it's, you know, Joe Burrow and in the, in the Bengals, because I'm a Burrow guy. You know, if it's that, or if it's a super competitive game, had it been the Rams Bills game from Thursday, I wouldn't have switched to the Manning cast till the fourth quarter, probably. You know, then it can be a little more leisure for me, but I'm a nerd. I'm a I'm a football, you know this about me. I'm a football nerd, and I can't football nerd during the Manning cast. So to me, it's real passive football watching, which is great. I think if you're someone who is not an aggressive watcher, like it's not your team, and you you just kind of want it in the background, you're going to glance at it, I think the Manning cast is perfect. If you're watching the game with your wife, your girlfriend, or someone doesn't like football, the Manning cast is perfect but that's the Manning cast to me, I think is. And and I, and I like it. I like Peyton. I like Eli. I think I like the idea of them having guests and doing the interviews. Peyton's very good at doing that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. So I wanted to hear your thoughts on the Manningcast, cast though.
1: I, for me, it's really simple. Yeah. I think most announcers are at best helpful to explain penalties beyond that i really kind of don't care who they are i don't to me they don't add anything you know as i've i've heard people talk they're fans of they like tony romer they like troy aikman quite frankly i tune them out when i'm watching a game and unless there's a penalty that Requires some extensive explanation of the, of the rules, and they bring in the the New, the New York analyst. I can't remember his name to explain the specifics. Yeah, it's different everywhere. I don't need to hear them. Yeah. So for me, I like the Manning cast a lot more because one, they're interesting together. I like watching them together. I like the guests when they interact with their guests. Yeah. As well as I can see the game. I can watch the play, listen to them. Watch the play, listen to them. I'm seeing the same thing they are. I can see the play. I can tune them out for 10 seconds while the play's happening and then continue listening to them, waiting for the next play to come. I find the experience far more enjoyable. And we've seen it copied multiple times. They are the only ones who are doing it right across all sports.
0: Yeah. Hey, I have a question for you. One last NFL, kind of um, the, the, the media stuff. Starting this week on Thursday night, the games will be on Amazon. They'll be on Prime. With Al Michaels, Kirk Street. Will you go out of your way to watch that on Prime Video?
1: Yeah, I already have. I mean, I have Prime, so I'll be watching it. Okay.
0: Now, I'll be at the game <laughs> this week, <but> and <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing that. I'm looking forward to see how Amazon's going to do with this.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, actually, I'm actually really glad they have it because I don't have the NFL channel, so I wasn't getting Thursday out. games before. Yeah. So – I much prefer having it on Amazon Prime. I'm glad they did it. I'm glad they bid and got all of the Thursday games. So I'm looking forward to watching Thursday Night Football. Okay. All
0: right. So to give it a little background, next couple of weeks, so, hang on, I'm going to finish this real quick. Next couple of weeks, first week for Amazon this week will be um, Chargers at Chiefs. And the following week, we're going to have Pittsburgh at Cleveland. And then finishing up the month, we're going to have Miami and Cincinnati. That'll be the the first. That'll be September. The first three weeks of September. Oh, I'm
1: looking forward to that one.
0: Yeah, so that should be a good one. Yeah, you got Tua and the Dolphins, who I think is a good roster. I guess a a good roster that with Tua. We don't know yet. And then the Bengals or Burrow, they they wake up. Well, I have some opinions there. Yeah, I'll they will. See you
1: later. I think they'll they'll write that ship. I'm less worried about. Uh, The Bengals' problems after week one. I'm more interested in seeing what Miami will be like
0: in three or four weeks, and I think that would be a good test. Hey, last thing. You had something for me. So you told me, and I do not know what this is coming, but you told me you had a surprise topic. So we're going to talk surprise topic. Go for it. It's a
1: quick one, and I just – I want to ask, do you remember – we talked about this on a previous pod, and it happened Saturday. Do you remember what it is?
0: Oh, gosh. I don't know. A lot happened Saturday. I don't know. I called it. What did you call? Exhibition bout,
1: Le'Veon Bell and Adrian
0: Peterson. Yes, you did. Yes, you – Le'Veon Bell versus Adrian Peterson. Did you watch any of it?
1: I didn't. I didn't. I, I looked didn't. it up because I, I I didn't know when it, I, I was trying to remember when it was, uh, and then I saw the result.
0: Okay, uh, so I the only thing I've seen is the end, and I was wrong. Talk, we talked. We <laughs> you were adamant. You like Le'Veon Bell, and I said, "Nah, man, I wouldn't fight Adrian Peterson," and it was funny because what little that I did see on Bell actually was a boxer and Adrian Peterson was trying to get into a fight. And it's difference. Le'Veon Bell yeah. knocked, knocked Adrian Peterson the fuck out.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, he lady. The, oh, the picture I saw down. is just this beautiful. Peterson's on the ground and Le'Veon Bell's just sitting there like, come on, get
0: up. Get up again. It was like I the old this. Snickers commercial where the guy gets knocked out in a football game and he goes to the sideline and sits down. And he goes, Who what's your name? And he goes, I'm Batman. I Adrian Peterson thought he was Batman for a minute. <laughs> yeah. And then he learned oh, yeah. to get up and fight more, which tells me Adrian Peterson is still not smart. Um, it looked like his feet were in concrete. I mean, the first thing they teach you when you box is keep your feet moving. And he just kind of It's stood all there. feet. It's if all you, feet. If, you, if you're just going to stand there, it doesn't matter who you are, you're getting your ass knocked out. Yeah, so props to Le'Veon Bell. You, props to you. You called it. You absolutely called it. I was 100% it, wrong.
1: It, it, I I still agree with you. I wouldn't want to fight Adrian Peterson. He kicked the shit out of me. Oh, but man. between the two of them, it's I, I'm giving the youthful feet the
0: advantage. It, and it, that's exactly what it was. It was his feet were moving. From what I saw, and I didn't see much of it. I saw about a minute of it. It didn't look he like needed to see much more than that. Adrian Peterson looked great because he always looks great. He looked like a man when he was 16. But... Man, well, yeah. he, it's he not like he didn't,
1: doesn't go to the gym he still goes to the gym yeah. technically he's not retired
0: Yeah, he thought he was going to get out I don't even know if he trained the box I think he went out there thinking he's just going to slug it out because he's Adrian Peterson he's a bad motherfucker Le'Veon Bell goes yeah. boxing I don't know that Le'Veon Man. Bell is going to be a professional boxer at any point but hey, if Logan and Jake I read Paul, the article
1: he, yeah all right, he, he needs wants to, to fight he wants to ball. be a boxer boxer
0: he needs to fight one of the Pauls. Yeah. No, the, the
1: interview he gave after the fight, he's like, This, is, this was the intro. This was a nice expi- exhibition. But this is something he wants to do. He wants to actually box for the next few years as his, as his new profession. He wants yeah. to be a boxer and go after, you know, go, get into that uh, as a professional sport. It's not a fly by night thing. It's the, the exhibition is kind of an intro for him, but he's yeah. serious about it. That's cool.
0: Yeah, I I was, like I said, that little I saw, I was really, really impressed with. So, hey, thank you for coming in this week, Uncle Rico. I appreciate you. Always do. And everything you do when you jump in here with us. We're going to have you in on the early podcast every week. It might be Monday some week. It might be Sunday night we record this. We're going to figure it out weekly and and get it going. But uh, we're going to get out of here on that note. So I want to say thanks to Uncle Rico for joining us again. I want to say thanks to Tyler Jones, everybody in the Studio Soapbox. All they do behind the scenes. Don't forget to check out all the Studio Soapbox Network. We're all back up. Everybody's back from vacations. I'll be on the Jones Report on Thursday. Most importantly, I want to thank you, the listener. Don't forget to rate us and review us. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast. We appreciate every five-star review. Until Friday, I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. Have a great week. Remember, your time tokens are non-refundable. Thanks, everybody.